Right, well, I've got a little uh, message for you this morning. Um, let me connect it to something that I was saying uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was talking from the first 11 chapters of Genesis a couple of weeks ago. Dick gave you a little message, a real kind of overview of the great themes of those first 11 chapters. The fact that God is creator, Genesis 1. The fact that we're made for team and God brings us into relationships that, that, um, that, that help us and bring grace to us. That's Genesis 2, Adam and Eve. Uh, Genesis 3 is kind of where I want to land today. God puts us in a garden of destiny. The word paradise literally means walled garden. You were made for a destiny that is exquisite, that is luxurious, that is blessed with resources. The destiny you have is not a tightrope, it's a garden. We need to stop thinking that if I just put a foot slightly wrong, I'm going to miss it. No, it's a garden and you are there to cultivate the trees of the important things that God birthed you to develop in the world. You were birthed for a reason and you're God's work of art. And then I pointed out the fact that um, there's in, in, in every garden, there's a tree of life and then there's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There are things that are going to bring you life and sustenance and there are things that are going to drain you and bring you death. And everybody's destiny has that. And I want to kind of focus in on the tree of life for a moment. I want to share with you one powerful piece of fruit off the tree of life in, in my own life that has brought me more life than anything else. And so this is one that, you know, for many of us, there are slightly different things that will bring each of us life in different ways. It's always, you know, worth journaling and writing a list. What, is, what sustains me and brings me life? What drains me and de-energizes me? You need to know how you're wired. But what I'm going to talk about today, I believe, is one piece of fruit on the tree of life in the destiny, the garden of your destiny, that will sustain everybody. And so it's a really important piece. And I just want to share with you a little bit of teaching, a little bit of encouragement. Um, as we head out of this period of lockdown into a period of new era, stepping into new things, new innovations, um, shaping our lives for the future and where God is leading us. So I want to talk to you about wisdom from heaven. Listen to these verses. This is Ephesians 1. And I believe this little piece is something that if you learn to come back to this fruit on the tree of life, do you get my picture here? Um, it will bring you sustenance and grace and spiritual energy and deal with, with apathy and weariness and disappointment. Listen to these verses in the book of Ephesians. It's the Apostle Paul praying for the believers in Ephesus. That's why it's called Ephesians, right? And it's verse uh, 17 and 18 of chapter 1. And it says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fact that he keeps asking is he knows this is really important. I ask that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you, listen to this, the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Verse 18 says this, I pray also that the eyes of your heart 
may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The temptation with Ephesians is just to keep reading. It's all so good. But if you're thinking, what shall I read this week? Go and read Ephesians 1 and 2. It's just incredible. But look, the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know him better and the eyes of your heart being enlightened to know the hope, the riches and the power of God for us who believe. There is something powerful about wisdom from heaven. There is something powerful about the eyes of our heart being open to understand spiritual things. The eyes here up in your head aren't the only eyes in your being. Your heart has eyes. It has the ability for sensory perception as well. And if we can learn to train our spiritual sensory perception well, if we can see and understand spiritual things, it just floods us with life. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. When you hear, let me even put it this way, when you see the word of God and it comes into your heart, it brings you life. Okay. And so what I want to do, you could say that I want to talk about how to hear God better or how to see and perceive spiritual things. But the Apostle Paul thought it was super important that the eyes of your heart were enlightened. In the book of Ephesians, uh, same verse in the Passion Version, it puts it this way. Where is it? Come to me. Verse 17 says, I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. In the notes, it says it's the spirit of discovery. Wow, I like that. It's such a good translation. To know him through your deepening intimacy with him. I pray that the light of God, listen to this, will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us, his holy ones. Here, he is speaking about an experiential moment of receiving revelation from God, and it will sustain you and make you incredibly strong. It will bring you life and grace. Now, there's several ways that God speaks, and there's some that he does and he initiates in our lives. Um, simple ones like this. You, you get this phrase often with the prophets. It says, the word of the Lord came to me, or the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel. There are moments when the word of God comes to you and it is audible or almost audible. I've got to be honest though, this probably happens even in someone like myself who really is quite prophetic and I lean into these sort of things quite a lot. It might happen about once a year, maybe even on a red letter year, it might happen twice where it's like the word of God comes to you and you hear an audible voice or it's an almost audible voice and it's a powerful thing. I mean, you even kind of look around when it happens, you know, that a one minute ago, you had not heard God. A minute later, 
a word from heaven has hit your heart in some way, sometimes so audible or almost audible that you turn your head to wonder who's speaking. That's God instigating him, sending his word to you. Um, another way that he does things to us is through an open vision uh, or through a dream that it, it's as though the heavens are opened and as real as you can see the room in front of you, you see something from God. Or it is so vivid, it is almost the equivalent of seeing it physically with your eyes. But it's something that God instigates. And again, this might happen once, maybe twice, a year where it comes in a powerful way from heaven. But if we sit around waiting for God to interrupt our world in that way, we're not going to hear God very often. We're going to get a piece of fruit off the tree of life, to use my picture, you know, once or twice a year, if that there's also the reality, and here's what the Apostle Paul is saying, I'm praying for you that you would see more and hear more and get more revelation and have more wisdom so that you've got hope, you've got power, you've got inheritance, you've got riches from heaven. I'm praying that something would happen that would help you to press in to the wisdom of God more. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Not the remarkable things that God just does. You write them in your journal and you will remember them forever. I'm talking about hearing and seeing spiritually every day. How can we press in to God more? Well, let me give you some real basics and then we're going to land on one main one that I want to introduce you to uh, and hopefully inspire you to go experiment with hearing God's voice and seeing, uh, seeing in the spirit basically a little bit more. But let me do some real basic ones. And the basic ones are really important too. Number one, Bible. Never forget it. Don't become so experiential that you think, I don't need the Bible or I'll do without the Bible. Let me just go and, you know, try and listen to God or have spiritual experiences. Nothing will prepare you for a prophetic life of revelation, like knowing the Bible cover to cover, soaking in it, enjoying in it, sitting and reading until a verse or a, or a phrase jumps off the page and your own soul, your spirit, your heart just begins to chew over it. And you know, ah, oh, there's something in that. The primary, and I would say the safest, it's the place to start before you go experimenting. The place to start hearing God's voice is to be opening the Bible regularly. If you get a bit of boredom and dullness and apathy around Bible reading, go get another version. There's tons online. Get the Passion version. Get the Good News version. Get the Message version. Try, try the Amplified. I love it because it comes up with so many other juicy words to help us, English people in our case, understand the richness of the original language. You need to be hearing God through the pages of scripture, okay? It's really powerful. Here's a second way that you can use in an everyday way. And I'm going to give you three. We're going to land mainly on the third one. The second way is to journal. Now, 30 years ago, when I first went to Bible school, my spiritual mentor taught me how to do this and it transformed my life. Essentially, here's a thought. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, I think it is at the end. Did I write it down? Yeah, 1 Corinthians 2. It's the last phrase in the chapter. It says this, we have the mind of Christ. Think of that for a minute. We have the mind of Christ. We have the very thoughts and the thought process of, 
processes of heaven stirring in our souls and they're there to bring you life. Think about it. Um, uh, Jesus is talking in the in the early, probably about chapter two of the book of John. He uses this incredible phrase. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. Do you know that when you were born again, spirit gave birth to spirit and a new being, a new creation, a whole new species was born and you are now a new creation in him. Your spirit is alive to God. And so in a spiritual sense, you have God thoughts now stirring inside of you. Then when you add Bible thoughts to that, that entwine themselves with the God thoughts that are already there, your spiritual being can become more and more alive and more sensitive to the things that God might say. And so journaling for me, it's a disciplined way to train yourself to hear God's voice more frequently. And what my great mentor said basically is this, the mind of Christ is in you and you've got lots of Bible in you. So that's going to keep you safe and give you boundaries so you don't step off the ancient pathways and end up in weirdo land, right? You got Bible, you got the spirit of God in you, which means you've got the thoughts of God in you. That literally the context in 1 Corinthians 2 is, is that the, the spirit of God who searches the deep things of God is also in you searching things out, right? You've got this wonderful connection now to God. Wow, I love it, right? Um, and Jesus says things like this, if you, if, you, if you remain in me and I remain in you, ask whatever you wish. Wow, it's this wonderful union that means there's godliness and divinity flowing inside of you. Now, here's the thing. Rather than knowing much about our godliness and our divinity and what God has been pouring into us by the power of his Holy Spirit, most of us are perhaps a little too taken up with, oh, let's list all the usual, shall we? Social media, the news, uh, family busyness, uh, the latest plot line of EastEnders, if that's your thing. You know, we get very distracted from the spiritual stuff that is going on in us that could bring us so much life just by the stuff of life. So we need to learn to focus. Do you know that 90% of prayer really is just this, focus. When Jesus taught prayer, he said, go into your room and close the door. And your father is waiting for you in the secret place. And all you have to do, you don't have to go through a ceremony. You don't have to be sat in a certain posture or even say certain words. The only real practical thing he said to practically do was shut the door, meaning focus. Now you can shut the door by going for a walk in the country or stick it on your headphones in a, in a corner of a cafe. But whatever you need to do, you need to focus to find the wisdom of God flowing in your spirit because you have the mind of Christ. And the way my mentor taught me to focus and find the mind of God that was in me was to get a pad and a pen. And he said, write your name at the top, dear Jared. And he said, write a letter from God to you and write down what you think God would say to you with your knowledge of the Bible, with your understanding of he's a good, good father, with the, your, your history with him, and even your history in your family. In other words, know what God is like, then write advice to you as if it was from heaven. Well, I started to do this every day and it was, it was beginning to feed me and sustain me like a tree of life in the garden of my destiny. When I ate from it, it was like, wow, bread is not enough. I need a word from the mouth of God every day. And it does something to me. There's, there's intimacy to be found when you're around the voice of God. Okay. And now 
to begin with, I didn't know. Well, it, you know, is this God or isn't it? But here's the strange thing. I would sit and write, and then I'd ask God questions. And you're allowed to ask God questions and then write down what you think he'd say about it. But then I began to ask God questions about other people and write down what I think he'd say. And then I'd, I'd meet them in the corridor of the Bible school or over, over lunch in the dining hall. And I'd say to them, you know, God just said this to me. I think it's God anyway. I think he's saying this, this and this. And they'd burst into tears and say, how did you know that? I'm like, well, I, I didn't. The only difference was I started to focus on what I think the mind or the thoughts of God might be saying towards you. And I found a well of wisdom in my spirit. Focus actually helped me to go find the voice of God. And so journaling really helped. And I would do it for a long time each day until I trained myself to hear and understand the voice of God. And then, of course, the more I did that, the more I got used to the sound of the wisdom of God flowing from the well in my own spirit, as it were. And you'd, I'd just be going through my life. And then God's wisdom would just begin to interrupt me because I got used to what it felt like to hear the voice of God. I had to chuck some stuff out and go, no, I think that's my imagination. No, I think that's a bit of pizza. But slowly I developed an understanding of that's the voice of God. And you know what? It brought me life. Oh, I loved it. Right. Now, I want to land on a third way. So the, the first way is Bible. The second way is help yourself focus by beginning to journal and write down every day, three minutes a day, sit and write down what you think God would say to you today. Sort out your stinking thinking from your divine thinking and you'll discover, wow, the voice of God is inside me. Brings me so much comfort. Now, I, I haven't got heaps of time, but anyway, let's, let's, let's land on this one that I've been thinking about. And really all of that was a preamble to get to this point where I want to talk about one other way that the voice of God comes to us. And let me just go back and read this from the Passion Translation again. Ephesians 1 and it's verse 18. And listen to this. The Apostle Paul prays, he prays, I pray that the light of God, listen to this phrase, will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light. Imagination. I want you to understand what your imagination is for. Most of us use our imagination either to recall good memories or we, let's be honest, a lot of people use their imagination to worry. And have you noticed that your, your greatest fears can be painted on the canvas of your imagination? Scenes of you, I don't know, lying in a hospital bed or being unwell or, 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 or moments of sorrow or poverty or, 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 or of revenge or things that make you sad. The enemy loves to paint. And sometimes it doesn't even take the enemy. We're just so bad at this ourselves. He loves to paint negative things on the canvas of our imagination. But you know what your imagination is really for? I believe it's there to help us communicate with God. There's a spiritual realm that we can barely understand and we, we can't see it with these eyes. But I believe our imaginations are meant to be a tool to help us to interact with an invisible God and to communicate with him, to hear from him and to eat of the fruit of the tree of life as he speaks to us. Listen. The, the prophet Daniel, there's a verse in Daniel, literally it just says this. And this is how a prophet was operating. He said, I lie on my bed and thoughts ran through my head. <laughs> and then he wrote them down as prophecy. It's God 
painting on the canvas of Daniel's imagination. Now, how does it all happen? Well, there's the canvas of your imagination. Work with me now, right? Here's how this works. You're supposed to paint on the canvas of your imagination using the palette, the color palettes of scripture. And the paintbrush of the Holy Spirit and your focus takes what God has said and the colors of all the things that he's spoken about and paints brand new pictures with the colors of heaven and the colors of scripture on the canvas of your imagination. Your imagination is a tool. You often find the prophets say things when they encounter heaven. They go, it was like this and it was like that. You can, you can hear their imagination trying to catch on to the things that they're seeing in the spiritual realm. I want you to practice practice this week as we come out of lockdown, practice God painting on the canvas of your imagination with the colors of the Bible and the brush of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me put one little thought into this before I give you some examples so you see what I mean. Um, if you are going to press into God and use your imagination to understand wisdom from heaven a little bit more. I want to encourage you. Well, number one, you, you've got to have Bible in you, okay? Because that's really going to help you. Those are the colors that you will paint with. If you go off the palette of heaven, you can end up in weirdo land. But when you've got the Bible in you, when you've got scripture in you, you can paint with the colors of heaven on the canvas of your imagination. But let me give you a little hint because I noticed that, uh, have you ever met uh, grumpy prophetic people and grumpy intercessors. They only ever see demons and they only ever see bad stuff or they only ever see sin and you know it's all a little. Some people can try to appear spiritual but they're seeing negative and darkness and slime and sin and demons all the time. Now there is a core problem in that they may have taken some scripture but I want to encourage you with this. In the light of the New Testament, the light of Calvary, the light of the victory of our King of Kings. I want to help you. If you were going to use your imagination for prophetic understanding, it helps if you get and develop a propensity for hope and joy and grace and goodness. If you develop a propensity for, for oh, I'm always looking for dark things and demons and trying to find out how I can blame them, then th very often you end up in a cranky place. You might even be right, but you end up as a cranky person, right? Um, what you need to do to develop your imagination to really interact with God, I believe, is develop a propensity for hope. He has no plans to harm you, but just plans to give you a hope and a future. That is what our God is like. Christian, do you realize temples and churches and cathedrals are all built facing east. They face the rising sun. And Christian, we are supposed to face the rising sun of heaven with hope in our heart. Why? Because his mercies are new every morning. You can face your past if you want to, and you'll have miserable interactions with God. Turn around and develop a propensity for hope and forgiveness and grace and the goodness of God. And you'll find you get so much clearer wisdom from heaven. Face the fact that his mercies are new every morning, that yesterday might have been terrible, but face tomorrow because the sun is rising. And let me tell you, the salvation of God is here for you today. And he's going to do something to bless you and to help you and to strengthen you. Even if he corrects you, he's going to do it to bring you to a place of growth and development and to be better in God. Develop a propensity for hope 
and grace and faith and goodness. And you'll be able to grow in this wisdom, okay? Make sure your temple faces east, the rising sun of the grace of God. Now, how does this work? Just like I learned 30 years ago to use journaling, pad and paper, to help me to focus and hear God's voice, I have learned that I can focus and allow God to paint on the canvas of my imagination in just the same way that a pad and a pen helps me to write things down. In my prayer time, I can come to God and I have found again and again, he paints things on my imagination. Um, and sometimes they're absolutely remarkable. And I find, wow, okay, that really was God. Several years ago, um, I felt God coming to me and, and, and he said a certain thing. Let me just see if I can find, it's always a difficult book to find. Come on, just before Hebrews, here it is. Um, I, I was sat in Bridlington Avenue where we used to have our meetings. And uh, I, I remember I was sat at the back of the church during a prayer meeting, I think it was. And I, I read this, catch that, God speaking through scripture. And it's the book of Titus, you don't need to turn to it. And verse 12, uh, Paul is saying to Titus, as soon as I send Artemis and Tychicus to you, good names, eh? Um, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis because I've decided to winter there. As soon as I read the words, I've decided to winter there, something that Paul would have done because of inclement weather. He was sailing around the Mediterranean. Stay here away from the bad weather and just winter. Just stay put for the winter stormy season. As soon as I said, I read, I've decided to winter there. The spirit of God said to me, I want you to winter. I want you to take a step back. Inclement weather is about to come. I want you to just go into a place of more restful, uh, you know, keep doing the basics, but just take a step back and have a time more of seclusion and resting. You know, if I was using farming terms, I'd say have a fallow season. Don't be so busy. Sabbath, take a step back, hide and rest. And I remember being in that prayer meeting and Darren Andrews was at the front and in some strange connection in the prayer meeting, I'd read that and God had spoken to me. And then Darren began to shout from the front. I don't even if he can remember it. He began to shout winter, 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 winter from the front. So here I've got this verse. I've got it leaping off the page. I've got a friend confirming this moment. Boy, is this turning into a prophetic moment. Then a strange thing happened over the next few weeks. In my prayer times with God, as I would meditate on this verse of wintering, and wintering, I began to have painted on the canvas of my imagination a strong tower. And I felt God saying, I want you to hide in my strong tower during this inclement, stormy time. Just hide in me, just hide in me. But on the canvas of my imagination, I was imagining this strong tower and it went on for days and days and days in my prayer time, I would see it again with the eye of my heart, the eyes of my imagination, this strong tower. And then I began to be fascinated because it said, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis because I've decided to winter there. And then I began to think, well, I just, I just wonder, he wintered in Nicopolis. I, I, wonder, I wonder what Nicopolis was like. 
because I was having a certain shaped tower painted on my imagination. So the wonders of Google, I Googled Nicopolis and I found the pictures of the walls and towers of Nicopolis. And it was exactly the same tower that was painted on my imagination. Wow. Even if it hadn't been, I wouldn't have been that bothered because the main concept of this whole thing was simply that hide in me for a season, it's gonna get stormy. But how amazing that actually what I saw was the very towers of Nicopolis where Paul had wintered. Just remarkable. It's just like journaling. God painting with the colors of scripture on the canvas of my imagination, and I'm hearing him. Press in and say, God, God, lead me through my imagination. You can imagine all sorts, the very throne of God. You can imagine the angels around about that are holding you up. I remember a few years ago, I was going through a little bit of uh, physical difficulty and I was so, so tired and having to carry on ministering. And then I, I had this, this little, I suppose vision, you could say, didn't come to me in an open vision. This is more formed on the, in the eyes of my imagination, the eyes of my heart. I saw an old amphora, you know, the old um, vase-like shaped containers for, for water or wine in the old, you know, the times of the Bible and stuff like that. And then I saw all these hands reach out and hold up the amphora because it was a bit old and cracked like me. And they were holding it up. And then the verse from Psalm 91 said, that says, he will give his angels charge over you to hold you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone came to me. And you know what? That little imaginative picture has sustained me for several years since. Whenever I'm weary, again, back to the canvas of my imagination comes the picture of that amphora being held up by the angels of God. And I can almost picture them now, the angels of heaven holding me up. Sometimes I'm worn out. I don't know what to say or to preach or to advise. And I lean back, it feels like, in the eyes of my imagination into the arms of God's angelic help. And I just know I might not be strong enough, but God is sending me messengers to help me strong. He's sending me people to hold me up. What has God painted on the canvas of your imagination that is meant to be fruit that you pick from the tree of life in the garden of your destiny. Oh, I'm putting all my pictures together, but work with me. And it brings you life. I hope you've got them journaled. I hope you've got them written down. I hope they're written on the front of your Bible so that you can meditate on them and go, wow, that little picture that God painted on my heart sustains me as a word from heaven. Another difficult season of my life Whenever I would pray, and it was a dark, dark year, when I would pray and close my eyes, I had this vivid, but it was only my imagination, it wasn't a vision from heaven, a vivid picture of, the only way I can describe it is the face of Jesus looking at me. Now, was I seeing the face of Jesus? I don't know. The first chapter of John says nobody has seen God, but Jesus makes him known. In other words, we only see what he shows us. And what he shows us will be enough and will sustain us. So I don't, I don't know. But for about a year, whenever I prayed and closed my eyes, I saw the face of Jesus. And it brought me so much comfort. 
And then I remember once being stood in, in the kitchen and I think Vicky was going through something like Instagram. And she came across this picture that had been painted by a, a very young girl who would, she said she had seen Jesus. And she painted this beautiful picture of the face of Jesus. And Vicky said to me, was it anything like that? And I burst into tears. I said, that is the face that I've seen for a whole year now, whenever I pray. Painted on the canvas of my imagination with the palette of scripture. Wow. I'm not saying it was the face of Jesus. I don't know. I don't even care. He was bringing me a word, a logos to sustain me. And it brought me life. Begin to develop your imagination. Stop wasting it on worry. Begin to use it as another journaling tool for God to speak to you. When God says there's a river of refreshing coming to you, imagine that river coming to you. When God says my burning fire is coming to bring you energy, imagine the fires of heaven burning in you because that's what your imagination is for, to help you get a handle on an invisible realm that we barely understand. It doesn't have to be perfect but it's enough for us to grab a hold of the word of God and remember it and let it go deep into our souls and into our spirits. Well, I could, I've got all sorts of stories here, but time has run out time and time again. And sometimes the vision that he paints on my imagination turns out to be absolutely accurate. Rooms that I've seen before I ever walked into them. I gone, this is exactly what it looked like in my imagination. Then other times it was just symbolic of what I needed to know to get the job done and be sustained in God. I want to encourage you, read the Bible, let it go deep. Journal, a pad and a pen, Make sure all your prophetic words are written down, all those encounters you've had with God, all those promises. You, they, are, they might be 50-year-old wells of wisdom, but there's fresh water flowing in them today. Remember that, fresh water flows through old wells. Don't think because that word was 50 years old, I don't need it anymore. You need every word he's ever brought you because it forms your history of sustenance with God and will keep you strong. But there's the new third way for you today. Let the eyes of your imagination, let the canvas of your imagination be painted on using the brush strokes of the Holy Spirit and the colors of scripture. And you're gonna find God speaks to you again and again and again. May he give you dreams, visions, audible ways to hear him May you begin to be so sensitive to the voice of God. You know what you'll find? That is a tree of life in the garden of your destiny. Go experiment. As long as you've got lots of Bible going on, you'll be perfectly safe. I love it. I love it. Well, have you got something from that? You know, I really believe as we are coming out of lockdown, back to in-person services, and we're stepping out of lockdown, hopefully into normal life. Yes, uh, even though it snowed this morning here in East Yorkshire, I am booked into a restaurant for lunch tomorrow. Would you believe it? Oh, Lord, help me. I'm not sure if I wouldn't have been better being on a Lilo in Centre Parks, but there you go. We're just going to do it uh, and go for it. I might have to sit with a rug on my knee and a hot water bottle, but we'll get there. God help us, right? But we're coming out of this difficult time. You and I, we need to be hearing God's voice. It's gonna bring us life, gonna give us direction, gonna give us sustenance. Go deeper 
into hearing God's voice than ever before, it's going to bring you life.